Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Uh, Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton from 1057 The Point. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him as a former defenseman for the St. Louis Blues. Now, over on our sister station, 101 ESPN, Jamie Rivers. Gentlemen, we are closer to hockey than we were when we talked on Sunday. How are we feeling? It's feeling good. Are you feeling good about I'm this? I'm feeling it, boys. I, uh, I'm I got, so excited. I didn't get to listen to minute one of the scrimmage, or whatever we're calling it, last <laughs> night. And I'm still excited because I know it was going on, even though I was not a part of it. Were you there? Did you listen? Any of that stuff, Mr. Rivers? I did not go last night. Um with this crazy schedule that I've been keeping, I had to go and do my part-time job, which was be a father. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Just part-time, huh? Well, it used to be full-time, but as you guys know, uh, sometimes it becomes part-time. <laughs> yeah. And when it becomes part-time, it's pretty much you better get your ass home right. tonight. <laughs> so, um, so I went Truer home. words were never spoken on this podcast. Yeah, I went home last night, uh, listened to a, a bunch of it. Uh, Curbs and Joey and Alex Ferrario were talking about it, and then, of course, I talked to some people with the team after the game and some people this morning, and they were relatively happy with the pace. They felt they, the usual suspects that should be good were good. It wasn't like there was a veteran guy that showed up and like, ooh, right, yeah. what happened to him? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All the guys you thought that should be good were good. There were some surprises, some nice surprises from the young guys. You know, the, the Jordan Kairos of the world had a good night. Sammy Blay had a good night. Uh, Robert Thomas was meshing really well with – with Jaden Schwartz, and we got to see Tori Krug and, and Colton Pareko out there, which, you know, we've nicknamed them the Twins now. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> we'll see how much they like it when we talk to them. That take, uh, yeah, that didn't take long. Well, well really, it's for Krug for being the DeVito character. I mean, you would wow. have to think Pareko. See, we went the other direction. Oh. Yeah, I don't <laughs> we, do, we don't see, you know, smaller guys like that. We don't worry about that, Donnie. Well, um, I mean, he came from a team with Chara, who's 8 feet 27. R- right. Well, that's you know? the thing, right? Because I played with Jara, and so when I looked at the first time that he was standing next to Colton Pareko, not, not last night, previous days, right. and uh, 
I said, oh, my gosh, it looks like he's got Chara back over there. <laughs> and so I, we tossed it around on the fast lane talking about it. And then Brad Thompson said, they're like twins. Yeah. He's like, not that like Tory Krug is uh, as small as Danny DeVito, but, but he looks like yeah. it. Mexico and Pareko. But listen, if we, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus for their height, but Tory Krug is legitimately the same height as me. Like me. What? Okay, well, maybe he, he's got heels, an intro. Donnie? Okay, I man, I'm I'm five seven ish, but still, I think that that's pretty. I what think is, that's pretty amazing. What's Tory Krug going? He's listed at five nine. He's probably somewhere in the middle. He's probably yeah. Five, so he's eight. probably five eight. Yeah, look at I him. would like to meet him though, because I would like to see if we see eye to eye. I want to bring up one of the things <laughs> Wait, that first thing you do when you meet him. Are you like, hey, buddy, how you doing? And then do you purposely somehow find yourself? Back to back, while you have Jeff and I look over and go like, "Who's yeah. taller?" Well, it, it would definitely well, we be don't a tell way. Him, right? We don't tell them. Well, okay. First of all, I don't want to do anything that keeps me from getting to meet the players again. So let's 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 keep that top of mind. Number two, every now and then you got to sacrifice one, Donnie. Yeah, but I don't want to be the sacrificial guy here. Okay, <laughs> one thing that Jeff brought up, and you kind of mentioned it, but I I, I want to talk about it is is Cairo at, at some point this week, Jeff, and I want you to kind of clarify. A uh, coach has said Cairo over bias or, or over Blay. Sorry, uh, Jamie, can you kind of talk a little bit about this and what you have heard from your side on that? Well, look, before the Mike Hoffman addition, Jordan Cairo was going to get plenty of time in the top six. Now you add Mike Hoffman, the process of elimination is you find Jordan Cairo with nowhere to play, basically, because you, you did have Sammy Blaze slotted in there. So now you take Jordan Cairo, you give him a chance with Bozak and Sanford. It's a pretty steady third line. Mm-hmm. The, the, the trick here is the fourth line with Sunquist, Barbashev, and Clifford, I don't think you're going to see that messed with too often. Mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be like the steam, sunny Barbie line that we had in the Stanley Cup run. So I think if you if you do have a, a substitution, Blaze going to go in for Cairo or Sanford when it happens. So it's weird because you'll have a guy that goes from the press box to the third line. Yeah, strange. And Blaze, I think the only reason he finds himself on the outside looking in right now, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah, we talked about this last week. You know, like yeah. he comes out. Guns ablaze in last year, playing great offensively, physical, but then gets hurt. And so he drops down, or he disappears, right? Because no matter what they say, you don't lose your spot to injury. Well, you do. You do. Because when you're gone, they don't leave that spot empty. They put somebody there. So you lose your spot to injury. And when he came back, played well. Didn't didn't play amazing, but he played well. But then he kept, you know, he's kind of behind the eight ball the whole time after that. So I think Craig Ruby's looking at it going, Jordan Cairo has to get a chance. We'd really like to see what we have here. I think we know what we have in Sammy Blay, and in a shortened season with lots of hockey like this, maybe Sammy Blay's a, you know, a thirty to thirty-five game guy, not a fifty-six game guy. Wow, well, that's a bit of a knockdown of the peg, a little bit, don't you think? Well, or, but well, it's, I mean, you bring in Hoffman, I guess. So yeah, if he stays time, healthy, then so, it could be that he gets another two or three year deal with the Blues after. This. Right, and 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 we're talking about about the young guys that can come in and out of the lineup, and you you know all the names, obviously. How quick is the hook on these guys with the shortened season? Well, this is the beauty of a shortened season, right? It's like Mike Schilt last year with the Cardinals. At any given moment, you had God knows who in the lineup because, well, we're playing a lot of baseball in a very short period of time. you got to just make it work. you got to make it work. Yeah. And so knock on wood here, Jeff's head. Um, Hello? We're hoping that there's no COVID that comes into this at, at any point because if that happens, then oh. we know how that story plays out with yeah. what we've seen with the Cardinals. So who knows? But basically here you got a bunch of games sandwiched and you got tons of back-to-backs. You're going to be moving guys in and out, in and out, in and out. And the only guys that I think are untouchable are your top six. And even the top six will get shuffled out periodically 
for guys who are playing well. Like if Zach Sanford's playing really, really well, putting up points, and Jaden Schwartz needs a night off, or Braden Shen needs a night off, guess what? Zach Sanford can be bumped up in the lineup. Sammy Blake comes in, takes a left wing on the third line, and we're all set. That's the beauty of having the depth. Is it as, I'm sorry. No, I'm no, sorry, no, no, no. Is it as bad as, hey, um, Jaden Schwartz is doing okay, but hey, you know what? Let's just rest him because of all of this back-to-back stuff. 100%. Okay. That's going to be the And strategy. I know that's kind of what you just said, but I'm curious, those top six or those big guys, will they just have a scheduled night off? They will. They're going to have to. If Craig Bruby wants to be able to go to the well at the end of the season and still have something in there, he's going to have to strategically give these guys nights out. Look, Ryan O'Reilly, guys, he plays like 25, 26 minutes a night sometimes. Do that for 56 games where you've got three or four games in a week. It's not going to work. Yeah, but, dude, how are you going to tell Ryan O'Reilly to take the game off? That doesn't seem like that's going to be an easy conversation to have. It's a scheduled thing. So he knows it's it's coming. He'll know. Craig Bruby will go, okay, we've circled these four games throughout the season. These are going to be nights off for you. That night there, Braden Shen slides over to the middle. We move Zach Sanford up the left wing. Sammy Blake can play left wing with Bozak and Cairo. Again, you know what the beauty is, gentlemen? The depth. Mm, the, the depth. Team has. Okay, yeah. I want to go back to Sammy Blay real quick because he's just the kind of guy that that a lot of us love to watch play because yes. he's like a freaking ping pong ball out there. A throwback. But so he plays hard. He plays dirty. He gets and not dirty, but he gets no, he in and dirty. does it's the okay. dirty thing. Johnny, when it's All our right? team, it's okay. So he has to play that way to be in the lineup. Yeah. But in order to play that way. You're going to get the nicks and the bumps and the so it's like he's a victim of his own sort of style of play almost. He is, but some guys can be can do that role and stay healthy, and some guys can't. It's really as simple as that. Some guys can play through it. Uh-huh. It's a it's a weird breed. Trust me, I went through it. Yeah, <laughs> there, not many games I missed for injury, but I can tell you what I was injured for a lot of games, yeah, and man. it sucks, and it, it's a tough role to have. But Sammy Blake's going to have to play that way. That's how he differentiates himself from the guy next to him. Now, he has tremendous offensive ability. We've seen that at times. We've seen him where we're like, whoa, look at that goal. Right. Okay, well, Sammy Blake, well, yeah, he was a scoring guy in junior hockey. He has the ability. But right now on this St. Louis Blues team, his role is going to be that of a uh, modern-day power forward. We're not going to compare him to, like, Keith Kachuk because right. that's absurd. But a modern-day power forward that can smash into bodies, go to the net, get the ugly goals. Heck, he got one last night at the scrimmage. He goes right to the net, stand there, rebound. He puts it in the back of the net. That's Sammy Blay hockey. Boy, sometimes it's it gets – and, Jeff, I don't mean to, to – because I know you wanted to pop in, but it gets so frustrating when we're watching the Blues from time to time because we see and know the style of play that works for them. Mm-hmm. But when they are not getting the body out in front, when they're taking those shots from the point where they seem to be direct shots on goal without very much interruption, like, you can just very much... It's easy to tell when these Blues are not playing their game. Well, yeah, 100%. Because, look, they're a four-check heavy team. Okay, That's where it starts for the St. Louis Blues, is tracking down the puck, getting it back. If you're not heavy on the forecheck, meaning you're not in there quickly, you're not closing guys out fast, you're screwed. Bottom line, you're screwed. So when the Blues are on their game, you know that when the puck goes into the offensive zone, there's somebody right on them. And as soon as the puck moves to the next guy, there's somebody right on him. And then there's usually a turnover, there's a puck battle, and the Blues have it back. And now they're not giving the puck back to the opposition. That's phase one. Phase two is a neutral zone, the transition game. It's where, again, they close out teams quickly. They 
get to the center of the ice, force him out to the boards, take away his options, force a turnover. They force a, a foot race or a, bo- a battle for a puck, retrieve it, and then they're quick on the transition. They're not, maybe, they're look at, to play fast, to be a fast team, doesn't mean you have to skate fast. And it's not like the Blues don't skate fast or have some guys who can wheel, but they're not one of the fastest teams with their skating in the NHL. But they move the puck well. And the quicker you can move the puck and the more execution you have, the tape-to-tape passes, well, you can go from A to B ten times faster by moving the puck properly than trying to skate it there. That's what you call playing hockey fast, is moving the puck back up ice into the opposition's zone. And then again, once you get in the offensive zone, guess what we're doing? Puck possession. Puck possession. Grind it down. Cycle the puck. Activate the D. It's a damn nightmare. Oh, damn it. I cannot wait for a game. I cannot wait for a game. Honestly, I can't. I want to get your guys' opinion on the whole fly into a city and play a handful of games while you're there as opposed to fly in, play a game, leave, fly another place, play a game. I love it. I think it's fantastic. I don't see a negative in it at all. Maybe other people do. I don't see it at all. I think it saves time, energy, uh, a lot of money, I'd imagine. Will they – give me your thoughts, but also is there talk about keeping this after things get, quote, unquote, back to normal? Okay. Yeah, that part I don't know about, but I just – I heard Kerber talking about it with you guys yesterday, and I like the idea of it being similar to Major League Baseball and that, you know, he was talking about the West Coast road trips – where, you know, you're gone for seven days, but yep. you, I mean, it just feels like this. Those were good trips. <laughs> well, I'm sure that you boys enjoyed yourselves. Wait, I'm sure. Just wait for the book. <laughs> but but is <laughs> that, like Jeff said, is that something that can happen post-COVID? Is that at all possible? Yeah, look, I, <laughs> joking a little bit here, I would have loved to have this set up. I mean, <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> going wow. into a city for three, four days. Like, especially if you're out in L.A., uh, uh-huh. Anaheim. Uh-huh. Uh, Before we start telling stories, move on. So. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'll be forced imagine to. That, imagine spending three, four days in Vegas. I mean, I'm just saying, hypothetically, and uh, you know, it would have been kind of fun. Anyways, mm-hmm. back to business here. The business side of it is that, yeah, for this year, it's a great idea. It is. Uh, moving forward, I don't know logistically how that works because yeah. right now you're only playing your division. Right. And, and moving forward, you'll play the Western Conference and then the NHL to grow the game, to really popularize it. They've had two games a year against the opposite conference, one home, one away. Well, that's because if we're sitting here in St. Louis, we don't get to see Ovechkin or Crosby or some of those guys and vice versa. They don't get to see McDavid or Dreisaitl or you know, Ryan O'Reilly. So the NHL tries to move that around so that everybody can get a little Excuse me, a little glimpse, a little speed bump there, Jeff. Okay, you just, yeah, all right, buddy. Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> Apparently, I took a sip of coffee, and it was just like, ah, you it know really what? shook him up too, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah I was like, he what? did the air quotes when he said coffee too. But anyway, I was like, what is this? Go ahead, Irish. Speed bump. It was good. I guess I was getting too fast. Anyways, um, but yeah, I like the, the concept for for this year specifically. Go in, play your two games. The back to backs are going to be tough, but it is better once you're somewhere and you can like actually unpack your little mm-hmm. carry on bag. Because the road trips out west, sometimes as much fun as they, they could have been at times, it was, you know, you fly in, you settle in, you pregame nap, play the game, but you got to pack your bag before you go to the rink because you're going up to San Jose after the game. You're going from San Jose back down to Colorado on the way home, and then you're going to hit Chicago, and then you'll hit St. Louis and be back home for a week. So, you know, how do you pack for that? It was a pain in the ass. It's Listen, it's what, the you know, 
silver spoon problems, right? right? Yeah. Like, oh, sure. boy, you're chartering around. That must really suck. Oh, what did you have tonight? The shrimp cocktail? Right, yeah. Or the filet mignon? But you know what, though? And, and I know that we joke about that. But, but it wasn't man, like that when I started. But that shit ain't easy, man. No. That, that, is not, that is not easy for people. It's like, a grind. Like, like, legitimately, that is one of the reasons that makes you guys professionals, because you can deal with that. When I have to travel, I'm a disaster. Like, you know, like, and I'm not even doing it. Stay anything. focused? Oh, I can't imagine. Stay focused? When they're Handing you free alcohol? I focus. I, I just you. Know, I always think about you know if you're 21 years old and a professional hockey player going from a different city to a different city. I just am glad that Jesus didn't put me in that position. We are all, but yeah, because it just like, not like me very much. To be <laughs> the, with with all the back to back stuff, how uh, let's just assume Bennington is back on his rails and he's doing well. Yep. How soon with all the back-to-back and all that stuff do we see Huso? I think you're going to see him right away. Like game two, you think? Yeah, I really? think so. Because, look, you're going to Colorado, and this is an interesting situation. Is Colorado's high altitude. Yes, Jeff, I said hi. Right. Anyways, um, yes, high altitude, and that's, gonna, that's always a challenge when you're going to a place like Denver to play a game. It's even more of a challenge when you haven't had a preseason. You haven't had a full training camp. And you're going in for back-to-back games. That team has been doing their training camp at high altitude. So they're going to be ready. They're sitting there waiting to prey on the Blues. And people I say, oh, is it really that big of a difference? Let me explain the best I can. It's not initially. You get on the ice, you feel fine. The problem happens when you get overextended on a shift. And you empty the tank. And the tank doesn't fill up like it does ordinarily. It gets to like a quarter full. Then you got to go again. And the tank is empty quicker. And so you wear down faster. And goalies, if they're getting a lot of shots, well, the tank starts to hit the, the empty mark. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard to get the, the gas back in the tank. This is why it's so important to have the depth that the Blues have. So that hopefully you can manage shift length and number of shifts. And if you see a line that gets stuck out there in their own end, especially in the second period where you've got the long change, that that 80 feet feels like 80 miles. Sometimes you're oh. looking in the distance, you're like, hey! And you can't look at Barubi and go, I'm just tired. Can you skip me this time? <laughs> and the best part is you can always tell when a team's been in their end for a long time because hockey, when you skate, you skate with bent knees. Yes. Right? You're uh-huh. bent, you're leaning into it. As you get more tired, the knees don't bend as much. So we have a saying in the hockey world, you go, oh, oh, so-and-so straight-legging it. That means he's exhausted. He's literally not even able to bend his legs anymore. So being the gentleman that you are all, you will just go prey on him immediately, <laughs> correct? Um, okay. Once we're out of trouble, maybe the next uh, commercial break or something, be like, hey, dude, how are you doing all straight legs? <laughs> I, I, I saw a little clip with, uh, with Nathan McKinnon from Colorado the other day and talking about one of the things that he was excited about for the Avs for the first time in a while was their depth. Uh, and, and he was kind of talking about uh, how he feels it rivals anybody else in the division. Uh, can you kind of speak to that depth a little bit? And who else in the conference, you know, d- d- does d- does Vegas, do, do they have the depth that, that, that the Blues in Colorado also have? So here's where I would disagree with Nathan McKinnon. I guess maybe he's right because it's the most depth they've had. Sure. Okay, so we'll give him a half a point for that. Um, but beyond that, like – they're not as deep as the Blues are. They're not as deep as Vegas is. Heck, they might not even be as deep as some of the other teams in the division. Wow. But Damn. but their high-end guys are high-end. Mm-hmm. Like Nathan McKinnon, I think, is the best player in the NHL. He skates, shoots, pass. He's rugged. He can fight you. You don't want him to do it, but he can. Yeah. 
I think he's the best player in the NHL. And when he's rolling, it's tough to stop him. And so Colorado, although it's the most depth that maybe he's seen, they're still susceptible as you get deeper into the lineup, as you grind down a team like that. In a playoff series, they don't scare me. Mm-hmm. They honestly don't. And their goaltending has a huge question mark. They got Philip Grubauer, who is still kind of, sort of, unproven. And they got uh, Frank Koo, the, the backup goalie, who played great last year, but he got hurt, and he nobody even knows. I just said, you're like, who? Right? Yeah, yeah. Frank Koo, ah. that's who. Anyways, so. <laughs> I wish I had a fun name like that. We oh, can yeah, find one for you. Fandango isn't very fun. Yeah, I guess you're right. so boring. Sorry, continue. Apologize. Right. Guy's and, got three syllables, and he's still pissed. <laughs> still don't even know how to spell it. Found that out on Twitter. <laughs> Anyways, um, the Vegas Golden Knights are very deep. As a team, they are. They, they're not as flashy as Colorado. They're built a lot more like the St. Louis Blues are. They've got a couple of good, solid top lines, and they've got a good third line and a rugged fourth line. Ryan Reeves, as we know, big, tough customer. He's really evolved his game in the last handful of years. So that they're, they're deep up front. Now with the addition of Alex Petrangelo, they're, they're pretty deep on the blue line too. And they, may, they might be the deepest team in goal with Robin Lehner and Marc-Andre Fleury. So... For me, the Avalanche, yeah, they're high-flying team, but the Vegas Golden Knights worry me more. Speaking of depth, I know we talked about some of the young guys before, but he scored last night, I believe, Nico Mikola? Yeah, so this is where it gets interesting, guys, because if you look at the D pairings of what should start the season, you got Krug and Pareko, mm-hmm. we talked about that before, the Twins. The Twins. Yep. Scandella and Falk, Dunn and Bortuzzo. Now, when you dive in past that, you've got Carl Gunnarsson, our vanilla ice cream. Mm-hmm. We like him. Yeah. Right? Yep. Very much. Nothing wrong with good hey man, vanilla ice cream. Listen, no? it ain't flashy, but it gets the job done. And when you taste a good vanilla ice cream, oh, damn you, it, you know it. Yeah, you absolutely That's You know right. who he is? He's the Counting Crows. <laughs> you know why I say that? Because everybody at least likes them and nobody hates them. Right? Am I wrong? Dude, that is awesome. What? That was so what good. What radio station can <laughs> you not play Mr. Jones on well, where somebody's going to get anywhere. mad? That's yeah, pretty, pretty true, man. What's yeah. his name? Lead singer? Adam Duritz. Adam Duritz. He's a great dude. Yeah. He's a hockey guy, too. I didn't know that. Went to dinner with him one night, and Matthew Schneider was a friend of, of Adam's. And this so, guy just dropping names everywhere. Yeah. You know he shaved the dreads. Oh, he did? He did. Yeah? Yeah, man. And it looks. Oh, re- I think I knew that. And it, yeah. it looks really good, actually. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was kind of getting to the point, and I can't believe this went off the rails for Adam Duritz. But, <laughs> but, but, but it was like getting to the point where I was like, Okay, buddy. Yeah. It's not 1994. Well, he's anymore. getting a little older too, right? That's so what I'm the saying. Dreads are like all gray, kind of yeah. like Jeff's beard. Um, <laughs> sometimes you. Oh, sorry, Jeff. Um, right. <laughs> I don't even remember with, now what we were with, talking with about. The so, jet black uh, hair Gunnison, on his gunning. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Right? Anyway. So Nico Mikola causes an interesting situation here because that, as we just went over the D pairings, and we have Carl Gunnarsson as number seven. Now you got Nico Mikola, who had an outstanding scrimmage last night. And it's not often that Craig Berube is sitting there complimenting young players after games like this. He was full of compliments. You know, he says he closes guys out quickly. He's got long reach, good stick in the defensive zone. Is he? Is this Is this strategy by Berube? Yeah, I was just going to ask that. Like, did in he say way? that in the press? So maybe Mikolo would be, oh, man, confidence. Of course. Confidence. Listen, they, yeah, not, man, not, all of that is not, planned out, not right? Not the coach is confident in me, but that gives him confidence. 100%. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And the players sometimes don't see all that crap, but I guarantee his agent does because the agent looks every day and says okay and then he he'll relay that and it's good but craig ruby's so good at at playing the team like uh, as far as their emotions he'll go tell the kid it won't be a secret it's not like back in the day where 
you kind of sort of were allowed to give a compliment, but don't be too happy. Right, you know? yeah, don't get sure. used to it kind of crap. Mm-hmm. Craig Ruby's not like that. He'd probably the guys walk by and say, hey, great job today, kid. Really like what you did. You know, keep it up. And then at least then the kid feels like, okay, I'm doing a good job. You get way more results when you tell guys when they do something good. And then when you correct them as a coach, when you come down and you look at them and you give them like the, really, that's what we're doing? And the guy looks at you and goes, yeah, you know what? I get it. Because when I do something right, coach is right there to give me the pat on the back. Yeah. But when I do something wrong, he's there to kick me in the nuts. It's perfect. I know where I stand now or this, where I lie. This sounds like training a new puppy. <laughs> it really Think about it. You yeah, gave you him some encouragement. Yeah. yeah, hey, good job. And when he's bad, hey, knock it off. And then when you when someone has a really well-trained dog, you notice it. That's 100%. So, Wait, Jamie, you just call me a dog? <laughs> do, then do you see at this point – uh, Mikula making that top six for opening night, potentially? Uh, he's certainly helping his case. I don't know if it's for opening night. Okay. Uh, but I could see him right away in game two. Sure. Because of the back-to-back situation in Colorado, high altitude. Sorry, Jeff. Again, mm-hmm. um, that could cause a different scenario where they move a couple of guys. Like, you could see Gunnarsson and Mikula in with Dunn and Scandella out for game two. I think... I don't know that. Chief didn't run it by me, trust me. (laughs) But as I look at things the way I would possibly maneuver, that's what I would look to do. The one thing that's interesting here is if Mikola plays really, really well consistently, where do you find a permanent spot for him, right? Like, Marco Scandella has a four-year deal at $3 a year. Sounds like a lot, but it's very manageable for any team Mm -hmm. if they were looking to bring on a veteran defenseman because you have to do the math at that point. How many years do we have of Mikola? who's a big, tall, rangy, defensive, left-handed defenseman. We've got a lot of years left as far as his hockey career is considered. And how many do we have left with Scandella? Maybe a couple. If he gets to the fourth year on this team, great. But he's the left-handed defensive defenseman. It's weird sometimes. And I don't know if that happens this year, but if Mikola plays well all year, it gives the Blues some options, specifically with the expansion draft around the corner for next year. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mispronounce his last name, uh, but he was the first rounder for la- or won the, the I thought he won the the Hobie Baker last year. Scott Perunovic. Perunovic. Yeah. Uh, can Easy you for you to say right? Hmm. Can you talk a bit about him because he, obviously he has been spoken of very highly. Not even just since the Blues had picked him and, and signed him, but but prior to that, can you kind of talk about where he fits into this whole mix? Because obviously it's not immediately. He won't be one of the first call-ins or anything. But you could see him go in for Vince Dunn at times. You know, they're very, I don't say they're very similar in their style of play, but when you look at them side by side, you would say, you know what, that's kind of a body double in a way. Uh, And Perunovic moves the puck so well. He skates so well. He's a power play type defenseman. He's getting used to the NHL right now. And this is where it's going to suck for the Blues not having that direct American Hockey League team that you can send guys down, bring guys up. It's going to be a lot more difficult. Heck, you're not even going to have that option for like the first month of the season because the AHL is not starting until mid-February. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see how Craig Berube manipulates the taxi squad. But, yes, yeah, Scott Perunovic is going to be a future St. Louis Blue. Um, he, he's going to be a top-four guy before his career is done here. What he does beyond that to be determined – but you know what? Another young guy that um, that came in and made some noise right away was Robert Thomas. You know, everybody thought, well, he's going to need some time. So you never know about these guys. And last night, Thomas, uh, Chief had some good compliments uh, regarding his play with Jaden Schwartz. He thought they meshed really well. And here's a little tidbit I'm going to give you guys. 
Although I predicted that Mike Hoffman would play on that line with Thomas and Schwartz, I thought there could be a problem there. And and here's the reason. This is something that normal hockey fans wouldn't notice until you've been on the ice and played the game. When you have a centerman, you try to give that. So if I'm a left-handed shot centerman, you try and you're, I'm talented. Okay, I'm not Jamie Rivers. I'm Robert Thomas, but I'm left-handed. Okay, <laughs> you give me a great right winger. Because my first instinct as I'm coming up the ice at all times is to move the puck with my strong side. So mm. to my forehand, right? Boom. Because moving it from the backhand is hard to do in the NHL. Doesn't mean the guys can't do it. The defensive schemes are so good and guys knock down pucks. And it's not as authoritative as a, a normal uh, front pass, you know? Mm-hmm. So you look for that right winger. The problem with this one is, is Robert Thomas is a right-handed shot. So last night in their transitions, in their zone exits, and their zone entries, where do you think the puck found itself more times than not? To his left. To his left. Who's on the left? Jaden Schwartz. Jaden Schwartz. So guess, who ah. did, so guess who didn't see the puck an awful lot? Mike Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah. And when he did get it, it wasn't in ideal situations. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't crisp. They had some moments. Don't get me wrong. I thought they had some good moments, but... <sighs> It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, whether they try to pull a switcheroo and say, hey, Hoffman, you're going to play left, Schwartz, you're going to play right because we want to put the guy with more goals over here, but he's not really a left winger. He's a left-handed shot, but he prefers to play the off wing. Do you see some kind of transition where they break up the O'Reilly, Perron, Shen line? Does Shen now become a centerman? on that next line, and you put Hoffman on the right. I don't know. That okay? makes me nervous Listen, about guys, breaking up that line, though. Listen. But it feels like a good problem to have. Am I wrong? It is. And, look, that was one scrimmage. Right. Okay? But I'm just saying traditionally, and this is a lot of years of playing hockey yeah. that I'm using this, is you look at all the great players, all the great centermen who were puck distributors. They always had that winger that was to their strong side. It's just it's easier. Even Wayne Gretzky had Yari Curry. And you look at that, you know, you're like, okay, wow, that's that's my guy. Wow, that is today's education right there. I know, and I'm going to watch that from now on. When somebody's coming down, a centerman's coming down with the puck. If he is left-handed, I'm going to watch, and he's probably the percentage is he's going to he's going to pass to his right side. If it's a condensed situation, meaning there's a lot of pressure coming from different areas, he's absolutely going to his forehand side. If his side. if his winger is also is yeah. right-handed, yeah, okay. Now there's some exceptions to oh. the rule. I, I brought up Gretzky Curry, um, but that's why. But that's why the left wing was never all that important for Gretzky and Curry. Like, they rolled Dave Semenko, Mike Krushelniski. Like, you name it. Oh, guys. I have heard those guys. Uh, admit it. Those <laughs> hockey names, too, right. man. He uh, played left wing with Wayne Gretzky. Why? Not because it was irrelevant, but it kind of was. Because he had Yari Curry, and that's where the puck went 95% yeah. of the time. Yeah. Just real quick, and this is just a random hockey thing that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I always loved Esatikinen, both both oh, yeah. as an Oiler and as a Blue for, for the helmet, if nothing else. Well, I I just I I just loved that his job being that professional sort of pest. Like I thought that that was uh, that was amazing. Like he was Esatikinen was a unique individual. Okay, I, he played here. I played with Esatikinen here in oh, St. Louis. Okay, and Tiki lived just down the street from me. And T- Tiki spoke seven different languages, not one of them correctly. <laughs> and well, I could do that. Like even the Finnish guys <laughs> would like listen to him, and they'd look and be like, "I have no idea what he just said." And but he was a beauty, right? Yeah. And I remember as a young guy, I was nineteen. ID probably said twenty-one, but anyways, Attaboy. probably, Attaboy. probably. Yeah. probably <laughs> or well, it's maybe, just the Canadian. And once you come over the border, it, it changes. There's a difference. Right? Yeah. Exchange, exchange math. Yeah, uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, but Tiki took me out for dinner one night, a nice place, Morton's down in Clayton. Uh-huh. I'd never seen a place like that. I mean, just from a small town in Canada. Morton's Steakhouse, right? Morton's Steakhouse, yeah. yeah. I'm like, holy crap. Look at this place. You know, they're showing me the menu, like, but it's real food. Like, it's not even a piece of paper. <laughs> and Tiki started ordering these whiskey shots. And I'm like, okay, like, look, the drinking age is 19 in Canada, which means like about 16, 17, you're drinking. You're right. Just, sure. It is what it is. Yeah. And so I'm okay. I'm hanging and banging with Tiki. Well, Tiki didn't have an off switch. Mm. I mean, it was just non every 10 minutes, you know, and. We got done with dinner. I don't even remember the dinner because it was a blackout <laughs> dinner. I wasted a whole bunch of money on that dinner. I guarantee it. And then you just rented the dinner. Is that what you? I saying? ended up. I yeah, pretty much. Yeah. No, no, I didn't. Oh no, I kept it in. I'm a oh, pro. Good for you. I'm a pro. So yeah. we get back to our places, and then Tiki shows up in the morning to pick me up. Thank God, because I was like a corpse, and I didn't set an alarm because you're, you know, a little bit sideways at the time. Mm-hmm. And he comes walking in, and he's talking, and I can't understand anything, and he's laughing. <laughs> That's how he used to laugh. Eh? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, great. So I'm grabbing my stuff. I can't even walk straight. That's where I'm at still. And we're in the car, and he's like, oh, I'm still feeling it. I'm still feeling it. I'm like, yeah. He goes, ah, welcome to the show. Oh, and I'm like, what? Oh, it basically great. tells me, if you can't practice drunk, you can't play here. Oh, my god! I'm like, oh, my God. Words to live That's by. That's amazing. So then you go to the rink, the ultimate cover-up, gentlemen. You go to the rink, and uh, my shoulder is killing me. So you have to load it up with Flexol. That you know, and that mm-hmm. has a certain smell, right? Sure. Guess what it masks? The oh, the liquor the that's still pouring from your oh, booze. Oh, yeah. My goodness. <laughs> I mean, that's a the trainer sh- had to have seen no, that. The trainer's trick in on it. Oh, the, trainer. it's the coaches gotcha. that you like because okay. the coach will skate next to you when you're in line, and they'll the radar will go off like, okay, this guy was out drinking last night. Now the coaches are smart. If you right. skate by somebody. And he's covered in flexor. <laughs> it's literally like, okay, why is there a candy cane skating out here today? Man, I, I spent a couple years of Sunday nights doing the, the, the Sunday night ritual at Pops. All right. And so it was midnight to 2 a.m. was, Pops, the, was the appearance. Where was that located? Uh, over there in Sauge. I don't know. It. And early in my career, I was given that, 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 that gig and was awesome for the cash. Sure. And there was one morning after I started it that I came to the station and our old boss, Alex Luke, I went into his office and he looked at me and was like, um, Donnie, uh, you smell like <laughs> liquor and I think it would be a good idea for somebody to drive you home. The and next day while you're at work? Dude, it was the next morning oh. I came in for a music meeting on a Monday morning <laughs> and, and I was like, all right. And I had somebody take me home because I was doing 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. at that time. So it was right. way early. And uh, it was a couple of days, man, where he didn't talk to me. Like, wow, and really? it was weird because he was a, re- you know, we had a really great relationship, very man. Very personable but- guy, but he's also very, very professional and very straight. Yeah, man. And it, it was one of those times where I felt like a rookie. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I was just like, dude, I got to sh- be. I should have not done that. I got to be better than this. But I, I, while, we're, while we're here and talking about uh, countries and things like that, uh, Jamie, again, please remind us the country in which that you're from. Canada. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jeff, real quick, you and I both uh, proud members of the good old U.S. of A. Here, yeah. right, right uh, here? From day one. Um, the World <laughs> Juniors, it just finished earlier this week. Yeah, watch. Jeff, do you remember? The United Jeff, States won. Who... Oh, about that. I can't remember who they beat, though, Donnie. Who they beat? I thought it was... 
was it? I thought it was Canada. It started I, with a C and ended with an Anada. And I thought, and I'm just just spitballing here. I thought that that it was the country that invented the game, if I'm not mistaken. It could be. Could it have could been. Be. Yeah, they were. I think they were a bit confident going into it too, weren't uh, they? Uh, yeah. uh, I yeah. see. I think they said something like, yeah, "I don't know. We'll, I don't. We'll I go ahead and play the game." I anyway. didn't see this game. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> All right. But so seriously, though. Yeah. It is an amazing thing just for me being a fan of hockey and an American to see how far U.S. hockey has come. When I was a younger kid watching, I would have never thought that 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 this that this could be. Jamie, how has this happened? I'll tell you what. It's it's a crazy feeling watching those games now for me. USA versus Canada. Obviously, I'm born and raised in Canada. I say born more than anything because I feel like I was raised in both places because I left home at 15, and then I was in the States at 18, 19. That makes sense. So I oh, it took of... you a long time to get here. Three years. Jeez. <laughs> it's a long There's direct walk. flights. It's, I mean, you could just use a... gravity. We're right below you. Wait, there were flights? <laughs> Anyways. Um, but, yeah, so I have a sense of, um, of pride for both programs because coming from Canada and – and being a part of that whole hockey Canada growing up, I'm proud of what that program has done for years and years yeah. and decades. But now being here and coaching and helping kids and molding the future of hockey in the USA, I feel like a sense of pride. Like, look at how far the US, hockey USA has come in a number of, like, if you just look at the last 10 years alone, it's incredible. Heck, we, you know, had the uh, here in St. Louis. If you isolate St. Louis, how many kids have been drafted? It's incredible. How many and not ki- just drafted, drafted uh, in the first round. How the, the many two- kids are playing college? How many kids yeah. are playing junior hockey? I will answer. Uh, I have two answers for your question on that. Is number one, from what I remember, it was an it was a sheet of ice problem not too long ago. Like you couldn't find ice to play on because there wasn't enough. It was vent. bad a couple of years ago when we when we lost. We well, I'll say it that way. When we lost Hardy's Iceplex. Mm-hmm. Um, teams had to double up on a sheet of ice. So you'd have two separate birth years practicing half ice and working on as much as they can. Sometimes you've had as many as three teams on the ice at once uh, because that's what was available. Yeah. Um, and even before Hardy's Iceplex a long time ago, and what you're probably referring to, is you just had maybe two or three in the yeah. entire city. Yeah, Afton's been around forever. Uh, Kirkwood's been around for quite a while. Other than that, there's Spinning a lot. Of, there's uh, now that's a jab, Jamie. I caught that. I got that. It's Dang now it. they closed it down. It's actually a tourist attraction now. <laughs> it's a gold gym. Damn it's it. a museum. <laughs> it really? Yeah. Oh, is it the one that's in like Manchester and Clarkson? no? It's, it's in Hazelwood. No, oh, it's, it's, it's Hazelwood, Hazelwood on, on Lindbergh. Um, the uh, other the other point I was going to make to your question, Donnie, about why is the United States blah 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 is partly because of guys like Jamie and you and you touched on it, but there are a lot of Canadians that come to the states to play. Yeah, and then like your your instance here in St. Louis, you stay in a city and then start working with kids. And that, I mean, it's kind of sort of Canada has kind of come down here. I hate to give Canada any credit whatsoever <laughs> other than being very nice people. Great people. But you come down here and you, and you stay here and you help kids yeah. start in the program. A lot of guys retired and stuck around in their cities. You know, Basil McRae, uh, Mike Zoop, Bruce Affleck are kind of like the pioneers of guys who stuck around in St. Louis. Then you had the Jeff Brown, Al McInnes, Keith Kachuk, myself. Now Barrett Jackman, Andy McDonald, Jamal Mayers, like. Think about that that list of guys right now that I just talked about. 
those guys are coaching teams. Darren yeah. Kimball is coaching teams. Like, those, everybody's growing the sport. That's just in St. Louis. And up until you said Kimball, a bunch of super nice guys, too. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best. Hey, this is, and this is not a, and this is just me asking legitimately. This has been because the United States has improved their game so much, not that Canada has somehow regressed in no, any way. No, look Canada at, is still freaking Canada. The they, U.S. has just gotten a lot well, better. Well, they have 19, 19 first-round draft picks on something that team? Something like that, yeah. Jesus. Something stupid. Now, here's the thing is, yeah, you're right. Canada's program, uh, listen, this is kind of, actually, I kind of enjoy this part of it. This <laughs> this year's Canadian team, people were talking about it before the tournament started, the World Junior Tournament, saying it was the best team ever assembled right. for Team oh, Canada. Boy. Okay. And myself and a couple other pretty good hockey players played on a team in 1995. And we still believe we were the best team to ever play. We were the first team to ever go undefeated in the tournament, and we were the first team to win the gold medal that way. And so when Team Canada lost the other night, I was kind of like – I'm okay with you this. You still got your, <laughs> yeah. You're Mercury Morris for the doll, when the, when the doll, or when yeah, somebody right. finally yeah, 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 loses yeah, yeah. In, the, in the NFL. I slept with my medal on that night. Say, <laughs> so look what you can't have, boys. Hey, can you, can you, can you give us some names of your teammates on that, on that team? Uh, hopefully people remember. It's a long time ago. What year? Uh, or anybody that, 1995. That we well, the entire team was drafted. Uh, and the entire team played in the NHL, uh, except for one guy, Chad Allen. He played in the minors a bunch of years and never quite got the NHL. He was a jerk look. anyway, is what you said. But we had Jamie Store and Dan Cloutier as our goalies. Remember those guys, mm-hmm. yeah. We had uh, myself and Brian McCabe on D, Wade Redden, Ed Jovanovsky. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Nolan Baumgartner. Then we had Todd Harvey, Alexander Digg, Jeff Friesen, Jason Allison. Oh, Jeff Friesen, wow. Marty Murray, Sean Donovan, Darcy Tucker, uh-huh. yeah. Jeff O'Neill. Like, we had a hell of a team. Man. Wow. Undefe- Dude, can you – I cannot even imagine. You're, sta- you're a 17-year-old kid, 16-year-old kid. You're That's 17, I think. Standing on a podium. They're giving you a gold medal. You're representing your country. Not only that, it's freaking Canada. Yeah. Does that automatically, uh, like, like – Shoot you into the stratosphere, like like. Are you oh, at that point crazy, dude? And yeah. the tournament that year happened to be in Canada as well. Oh, and it was actually the year of the '94 lockout for the NHL. Oh, I didn't think of that. And so I had had a good training camp here in St. Louis, and there was talk of me staying to play at least start the season here. Then the lockout came, and so we all got sent back to junior and whatnot. So there was a handful of guys, maybe eight, nine, ten guys who were NHL players or could have been that year, and they got sent back to play in the tournament because, hey, it's good hockey and nothing else is going on. But the thing is, the tournament was in Canada, and there was not one other hockey game in the world to watch. Oh, Just like the night of this final, right? I think I remember them saying that. And so all the eyeballs, all the pressure, all the stuff, I mean, you name it, it was tough at times. But, man, was it exhilarating. Oh, but you felt like a rock star. You had to just feel like a rock star. We walked around that area when we were done with that (laughs) tournament, and I don't know if I saw straight for, you know, a week to (laughs) ten days. Uh, Vertigo, huh? It was, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. It was uh, jet lag. So we are obviously talking to an old-school hockey guy, right? Your playing career was from what year to what year? Uh, Drafted in 93. I think I played my first games in 95. And then uh, just the other day, two days ago, was the 
10 year anniversary of my retirement. Wow. Congratulations. So I don't know. Do the, the math. Somebody else do the math. By the way, that. as a guy who played that long and was a physical defenseman, you're walking around pretty damn good. I really, okay. I, by I, the way, they have great drugs available. That's a good point. <laughs> I'd like to speak with you after the show. But it, the re- it takes me about 30 minutes to get warmed up in the morning. I'm not joking. You see me walk to the bathroom or walk down the stairs, and you'd be like, what the hell? This guy, there's no way he played professional hockey or anything. But it is what it is. So my question to an old school hockey player guy, but a present day smart businessman, what are your thoughts on the selling rights of the divisions? And will we see more of this sort of thing, like ads on the uniforms maybe or something like that? I'm okay with it. I really am. By the way, I'm 100% okay with a uh, a league that gets – so much of their money from ticket sales, and we're not getting it now. Let's find other ways. Hey, if this keeps people employed, if this, whatever it can do to help the organizations, I mean, I think we are probably going to find it on the jerseys, on the helmets sometime in the I think future the jerseys anyway. will be the last resort. You think there'll um, be shorts next, maybe? I think they'll go pants, pants. Like on the pants, like on the front of the leg, you know. Um, the helmet, let's, let's be honest, and people say, oh, the helmet. For years, there, well, actually, there's always been advertising on the helmet. You just didn't notice it because it said Bauer or Nike or Cooper, but that's advertising. Sure. That, you're, you have a brand on your helmet, so why not take that little spot on each side or wherever it's located and just put, you know, uh, Bank of America? Like, who cares? Right. right. Like, it is what it is. Now, the ice, they're going to get creative there. I think they're going to have some things at the bottom of the glass right above the boards where they get some more advertising. But the divisions... This is just in its infancy, but why not start to give the divisions real names, okay? Now, hear me out. So we have the Central Division, the East Division. Scrap that, okay? Let's go back to, like, when it used to be, like, the Norris Division, the Smythe Division. Yes. Let's pick some hockey greats, okay, that everybody can agree on, and let's name the divisions after Hall of Famers, the Gordie Howe Division, the Howe Division, right? But then you'd have the Honda Howe Division. So now it's – no matter what happens – the sponsor may change every three, four, five years, but the division name doesn't change. That way there, you still have a sense of pride of playing in a certain division. That's the way I look at it. Give it like something, you know, like the McKinnis division, right? It'd be right. like the McBride McKinnis division. Wow, that's, I love that That's idea. a whole other 20-minute conversation of who would those people be? Well, we should have that conversation another time. You know, that's exactly it. Maybe it's another Hall of Fame thing where the Hall of Fame board goes, you know what? For the first 10 years of this project, it's going to be these four or five or six guys that we use. But I, that's – you'd say my business hat. That's my business hat right, right there. Right. Is let's make something that people are proud to be a part of. But then also you can raise the, the ticket value not on the fan, on the sponsor. Because I want to be sponsoring the Howe division. He's my favorite player. Oh, my, right. my little company is so, going to be right next to the, the name Gretzky. GM, yeah. GMC. Yeah. You know, like the Detroit company, Gordie Howe. Like, uh, we'll, we'll buck up for that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, makes sense. Boy, it's amazing when he has good ideas. They just catch me by surprise. <laughs> I'm not prepared for him. Yeah, I got a zinger in. Well done. I got a zinger in. Celebrate. At least one. Everybody should enjoy their first goal. <laughs> all right. Well, boys, I think we're going to wrap it up for today, if, if, if that's all right. Now, I'm listen, good. here's what we need. All right, we've got Blues Hockey starting on the 13th, all right? So that's right around the corner. We will be back with another Last Minute Blues podcast. Podcast on Monday. Now we are going to number these episodes so that we so that people can find them easier. So although that we've been doing this show for a while, we are going to call this Last Minute Blues Podcast number one. Right. So then that way, if we have a guest, 
and maybe that guest was, say, uh, uh, number 16, Brett Hall. Oh. Maybe on show number 16, oh. we can get Brett Hall. Maybe. Start this working w- on again that. was Jamie's idea. Where's our producer? <laughs> so so yeah, we have got him. a lot. But share us with your friends. Tell folks about us. Uh, we are going to be doing this up the 2021 St. Louis Blues season uh, as best as we can. It's the Last Minute Blues podcast. Jeff, uh, Jamie Rivers from 101 ESPN. Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango from 1057 The Point. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.